Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. We do want to say welcome to all of our friends and those that are viewing on Facebook Live right now. Uh, very much we have a growing audience uh, on our live stream, and we want to welcome them. Could we give a hand clap to all of those that are viewing right now? Couldn't make it today for whatever reason. Amen. Amen. And we're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 10, verse number 10. Amen. The Bible tells us that the thief cometh not, or if we could say it this way, the thief comes for one purpose, and that is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, Jesus saying this said, the thief doesn't come for any other reason. He may manifest himself through all kinds of reasons, but when you boil it down, his goal is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How many of you know that all of those things are taking away? They're, they're taking things from you that currently, does someone steals from you, they're taking a possession from you. Someone kills, they're taking life from you. Somebody destroys, they're taking destiny and dreams from you. Amen? But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Amos 8 and 11 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. Didn't say a famine of the word being spoken, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. And then 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says this, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. For every good work. Amos 8, the Lord said, I'm sending a famine among you for hearing. 2 Corinthians 9, through Paul, the Lord speaks and says, there will be abundance in the house of God. And today I want to preach on this thought, feast or famine. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. We want to say thank you to every guest that has joined us here today. If this is your first time at Living Hope, the pastor doesn't always get up and, and preface his preaching with an inappropriate statement. Normally, I behave myself better than that. But we want to say, Living Hope, would you help me right now and let's let all of our guests know that we are glad they are here today. Amen. We are so glad that you joined us today. We pray that you have tasted of the presence of God today. Amen. Amen. I, I will say that at the conclusion of our service today, uh, every guest that is here, we have some refreshments, a small gift that we would like to give you. My wife and I would love to have just a couple of minutes to shake your hand and greet you and meet you. And that takes place in uh, the back door, uh, in the middle, uh, the, the center back door back there. Right in there, we've got refreshments. And we would love to have you join us when I'm finished here today. Feast or famine? There are two opposing forces that are constantly at work in our lives they're at work in our individual spiritual walk with God. Everybody say that, it's at work in me. All right, three of you said, it. it's at work in me. All right, it's at work in our homes and our families. Say, it's at work in us. All right, and it's at work in the church. These two opposing forces are at work in me personally. It's at work in my family. It's at work in my home. It's at work in this church. And it is certainly at work in our society. And the first is the work of the enemy, who the Bible says has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. It is the sole purpose of the enemy to leave you at a deficit, to leave you in a place of spiritual want and lack, amen, in a place of famine. The second, however, the second and the opposing force of that is the work of Jesus Christ, who declared 
that he came not only to bring life, but to bring life more abundantly. So an enemy that is robbing and taking and leaving you at a deficit and then a God that comes alongside and says, I didn't just come to give and to add life to you, but I came to add life to you more abundantly. The word abundantly that quantifies and describes the kind of life that Jesus Christ has come to give us is the Greek word perisos. Everybody say perisos. That's your Greek lesson for the day. Perisos simply means excessive. It means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. Jesus said, I've come to give you a life that is not just more in quantity, but it's also greater in quality. That means it's excessive. That means that God came to give me not just the life that I need to live, but he came to give me a life that exceeds that, amen? A life that goes beyond that, amen? Not just a life that I could ask him for, but he said, I came to give you a life that's beyond what you could ask me for. He came to give everyone in this building more than what you need and better than what is required. Jesus Christ has come to position us in the place of a feast. Everybody say feast. The enemy has come to bring deficit and famine, but Jesus Christ has come to bring abundance and a feast. And our faith is caught in this battle between an enemy that has come to drag us into a place of lack, and a Savior that has come to move us into a place of abundance. Amen. I believe our minds are constantly moving in vacillating between this place of lack and abundance. An enemy that is dragging us into fear and lack, and a Savior that is pushing us and prodding us into abundance and plenty. That battle is waged in our minds, and then it's played out in our lives. And let me first state that I'm not preaching prosperity theology. I'm not telling you that you need a Ford, but God's going to give you a BMW. Amen. You might get a BMW, but I, I'm not preaching on that today. Amen. I, I don't, the, 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 the prosperity doctrine is full of holes. Amen. If the prosperity doctrine were true and everybody in this house that believes in God, we'd all be living in mansions and we'd all have millions of dollars in our bank account. And that's just not the way it is. But Paul said, I've learned to abound in whatever state I'm in. If I've got plenty or am I'm in want, I've learned how to have a fulfilling life in Jesus Christ. I'm not defining abundance as you having access, or, or, or rather, excess of everything that you have ever wanted or needed. Abundance is not reaching a place where I have everything that I need. All right? Abundance is, this is not what I'm defining it as, that I have everything that I need. Is there anybody here today who have everything you need? How about, let me say it this way, you have everything you want. All right, none of us, Okay. That's not what I'm defining abundance as. Abundance, rather, is reaching a faith. It's not reaching a place where I have everything, but it's reaching a faith where I believe that God has everything that I need. I may not have everything that I think I need, but God has everything that I need. That is an abundance mindset. When I believe, you know what, I may be going through a situation that I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but an abundance mindset says God knows how he's going to bring me through this. And likewise, lack is not a place where I don't have everything that I need, but it is a place in my faith that I come to that I don't trust that God does have everything I need. So abundance is a place in faith where I believe God has everything I need and lack is a place where I don't trust that God has everything I need. And in that place of lack, we become consumed with what we don't have. Every area of our life, we either live in a place of abundance or we live in a place of lack. We're either in a place in our faith where we believe that God has what we need or we don't trust that God has what we need. We are either living in a spiritual feast or a famine. And depending on where our faith is, in feast or in famine, in abundance or in lack, depending on where we're at in our faith, we live and we act very differently. Amen. Everybody say amen. 
If you are in a place in faith where you believe God has everything you need according to his riches and glory, you're going to live very different than you would if you're in a mindset that God doesn't have the answer to what I'm going through. Amen. God doesn't have it figured out. I don't know how I'm going to make it through the the same person, but if you're in two different places in your faith, you're going to behave very differently. And So first, I want to look in the Bible at how people behave in times of famine. And then we're going to contrast that with how people live biblically in times of feast. Because I see in the scripture that there are times of famine that people lived. There were uh, uh, definite mindsets and actions that I believe are principles of famine faith. When we're in this place of spiritual famine that we don't trust God, we exhibit and we begin to act in the way that we find in the Bible the way that people acted in a time of famine. So let's turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 28. We're going to look at the first example. The Bible says that the king says unto a particular woman, what aileth thee? What's, what's wrong with you, woman? Amen. What's, what's wrong with you, ma'am? That's a little more, more polite. What seems to be the problem? Amen. Anybody ever gone to the doctor and the problem was very obvious and yet they ask you what seems to be the problem? This woman said unto me, she answers and says, here's the problem. This lady that's standing here said unto me, give thy son that we might eat him today and then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, give thy son that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. The first thing that happens when we're living in a place of famine is our appetite becomes perverted. To say that something is perverted just means it's not natural. How many of you would agree that eating your child is not natural? 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 25 tells us the context of this conversation is that they are in a time of famine. And I find in this mindset that when we find ourselves in a place of spiritual famine, we begin to have an appetite for things that we ought not have an appetite for. You can't be in a place of spiritual abundance and be hooked on pornography at the same time, amen? It's one or the other. Either you're in abundance or you're in lack. Either you're in a famine or you're in a feast. As I read this passage, I find that there are two famines present. The first one is the obvious famine of food, right? The reason that they're coming to this place where they're having a conversation about boiling and eating their children is because there's no food. But the second famine that I find that brings them to this place where they go beyond conversation and they end up devouring their own children is a lack and a famine of spiritual leadership. When you read this passage, is there anything that jumps off the page to you like it did to me when I read this passage this week? My question is, where in the world is dad at? Where is the father in the home? Where is dad stepping into this conversation saying, what in the world are you talking about? I know some of you have bought into the lie of the enemy that we don't need men in our homes and that the family structure can be rearranged and reshaped. And I'm not saying you can't succeed if dad's not there, but I'm going to tell you the way God designed it is there for there to be a man and a woman in every home raising their children. You can sit on me if you want to. I don't really care if you agree with me or not, but I'm telling you what the Bible said. In the beginning, God created man and woman. Man and woman created he them. I'm not here to pick a fight with culture. What I'm here today to tell you is we need a revival of men in our homes. We need a revival of godly men that will stand up and say, we're not going there. We're not doing that. We're not going to be that. We're going to be a godly home that honors God. We need men to be the one leading our families in worship. We need men to be the ones getting up and saying, we're going to the house of God today. 
It ought to be every man in this church standing on their feet saying, preach it, pastor, because when we have a famine of spiritual leadership, we began to consume things that we weren't meant to consume. Somebody ought to say like Joshua today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, dad, you better say it. Come on, husband, you better say it. As for me and my house, we will. Come on, get off the recliner and put the potato chips away. You can put put the football game on DVR and watch it later, but get your family to the house of God because when there is a lack in spiritual authority and when there is a famine in leadership, we began to consume things that we were never meant to consume. Hallelujah. I know today's culture, men are being painted as the greatest threat to society and that men are the reason that society is busted and broken. And you can buy into that lie if you want to. I certainly don't think men are superior to women, but I do think they serve a different role in the family than women do. And it's time that we get some strong men standing back up in our homes and saying, this is how we're going to live. This is how we're going to serve God. This is how we're going to be a family that serves the Lord. I feel that, I feel that culture push. It's, it's, it's not a biblical culture that's telling you what you're believing right now. Biblical culture says we need strong authority. We need somebody that will stand up on the word of God and say we're not deviating from this. Amen. Where was dad? Either of the dads. Where Two women are having a conversation. Where's dad at when this conversation is going on? And, and it, it, maybe dad was out playing baseball. I don't know. And the, maybe he was out uh, scouring for some crumbs, some, something to feed it. I don't know. But, but if he wasn't there for the conversation, at least when he sees his wife with a pot of water boiling on the hearth, uh, he's got to look at her and say, what's the pot of, what, what are you boiling the pot for? And then when she responds and says, our baby, I, I got to think dad is stepping in and saying, no way, you're not taking my child. You're not consuming my future. Amen. Two moms reach an agreement to kill their children on alternate nights and consume them. Perverted appetite. You don't kill your children in a culture of abundance. That doesn't even pass the common sense test to kill our own children. And you don't do that in an abundance uh, culture. You don't do that. You do it when you're beginning to live in a place of lack in your faith and you don't know how you're going to make it, then that mentality to, to consume things that you should not be consuming gets into your life. They were literally consuming their future. A baby, a, a, a baby boy in Bible times was a, all children were a blessing, but it was culturally it was a greater blessing. Because that son was going to grow up and he was going to be a worker. He was going to bring profit into the home. And literally when they boiled those babies and they ate them, they were consuming their own future. And listen, when you begin to live in a lack mentality, when you begin to live in a famine of faith, you will do things that literally consumes your own future. You will begin to make decisions and you'll blame it on everybody else. But it's not everybody else doing it. It's your decision making that is destroying your own future now I'm preaching this morning and I'm not going to back up from what I'm telling you some of you need to get you need to get back into a place of abundance because you are consuming your own future hallelujah in the culture of famine we consume what we would not normally consume the second example that I find in the scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 25, same famine, different example. The Bible says that in the midst of this great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of calf of dove droppings. Do I need to expound? For five I already used my inappropriate statement for the day. For five shekels of silver. 
The second principle of famine living. When we allow our faith to be dragged into a place of famine by an adversary that has come to steal, kill, and destroy, we begin to treasure trash. Our value system becomes warped when we're living in a famine mentality. Now, I don't know. Maybe there was a time where dove's dung was a good thing. And maybe I'm just missing it. Maybe a donkey's head is the best thing to ever hit humanity. Maybe Longhorn is missing it with the ribeye. Maybe they need to start serving up donkey head. But I don't think so. Things that we would normally discard as waste and garbage. Now it's risen to a high value in the economy. Why? Because when you're living in a place of famine, you begin to value garbage. You begin to exalt things that are waste in your life. You begin to lift up things that have no place in your life. That's what happens in a famine mentality. We begin to live in a warped value system. And I, I'm not, well, not going to ask you, when you're married... And you're connected with half-naked women on social media. And you think it's because you're a player. Yeah, I got all the women in my DMs. Can I tell you, you're not the player that you think you are. Rather, you're living in a famine of respect for yourself. And you're living in a famine of respect for your spouse. And you're elevating the value of trash in your life. Everybody's real careful to clap right now because I'm preaching to where we're living. I'm telling somebody when you begin to elevate garbage in your life, it's because you're living in a famine. You need to elevate that marriage in your life and say, you know what, all that other junk is a waste of my time. It's garbage. It's trash. I don't have time for some half-dressed floozy to be flirting with me. I'm going to be true to my marital vows, and I'm going to value that commitment. Well, pastor, I'm not getting what I need at home. Well, most of the time, that's not the issue. Most of the time, it's that you're trying to feed a spiritual famine with a carnal feast. Instead, how about this? Instead of destroying your reputation, instead of you taking that biblical command uh, to replenish the earth as so literal. Some of you said, well, the Bible said replenish the earth. I'm just trying to do my part. Let me just let you know, guys, you're not the only man on the earth that was given that command. You don't have to do it all on your own. Amen, you were given that command to do it with one woman, not with every woman in your, that's connected to you on Facebook. We need a revitalization of biblical value in our lives. We need to get back to biblical living. Amen, get the trash out of your life and start treasuring the things of God. And while we're on the subject of trash, when you sit around and consume negative news all day. Listen, folks, I want you to know I don't, I'm not a prophet, but the next year is going to be a rough year for our nation. And if we allow what the news is saying to make its way into this church, this church will not survive the next year. I'm not a prophet, I'm just telling you. Amen, because the spiritual world doesn't want there to be black and white worshiping in the same church together. The church world, or the, 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 the world out there wants it to be said that, that if you're one, one political party or the other, that you can't worship God with the other. I want to let you know it's time to let the devil know we're not letting trash be valued in our lives. I may see a headline now and then. I may accidentally see a news story now and then, but I'm not, I'm not elevating the value of that trash in my life. I don't have time for that. It's not what I came to do. It's not my purpose. When you fret over Facebook posts all day, you're elevating trash. 
You're giving value to garbage. I'm not saying everything that's said is trash, but 99.9% of it, well, it is. Today, people are actually developing real disorders from social media consumption. Literally, can't sleep at night because somebody didn't accept their friend's uh, request on Facebook. What? Are you kidding me? Is that a joke? Well, that's what happens when you're living in a famine. Things that are garbage begin to have greater value. Because someone didn't let you slide up in their DMs on Instagram, you're all bent out of shape and offended. Amen. Offended because somebody didn't like your post. Can I tell you, it's time for the church to get our values back in order. It's time for the church to get our values back in order. I need less of that news and I need more of the good news. I need less of all that stuff and I need more of this stuff. I need the word. But in a place of famine, we elevate the value of garbage. The third thing that I find in a place of famine, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12 through 16, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. That means for every seed he planted, he had a, a hundred fruit come out of it. I don't know how that happens. Well, I do because the next phrase says the Lord blessed him. Because the Lord can bless you beyond what the laws of physics tell you you can be blessed. Amen. When you're faithful to God, God can bless you in ways that science can't explain. And Isaac waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. That's what I pray for this church. There's some great people in this church. You're doing great things and you got great families. But I pray today that there would be something planted inside of you that you said, you know what, I'm not satisfied with being great. I want to move forward until I become very great. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great stores, of servants, and the Philistines envied him. For the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Leave from us, for you are better off than we are. This is in a time of famine that Isaac plants seed in the ground. And because God begins to bless him, the Bible says that everyone around him began to envy him. And they said, We want you to get away from us because you're doing better than we are. And in the famine, we, become to, we come to envy the success of others. We envy that others around us are doing well. We don't want to do the hard work of doing well ourselves. We, won't, we don't want to do the hard work of planting seed in the ground ourselves. We don't want to do the hard work of watering the seed that's in the ground ourselves. We don't want to go through the effort of getting in a right relationship with God to where he'll bless us ourselves. So rather than, than rejoicing because you're being blessed in a time of famine, our response is to become envious and jealous of those around us that God is blessing. Jacob, rather Isaac, becomes blessed a hundredfold. And the people of the land come to him and say, you got to move. Your house is too big. It don't fit in this neighborhood anymore. You got to go. Perhaps instead of asking Isaac to move, they could have asked him to teach him how to plant. Instead of saying, you got to get away from us because you're too blessed and you're making us look bad, they could have gone to Isaac and said, hey, why don't you teach us how you're planting? Why don't you teach us how you're doing what you do? But rather than being challenged to rise above, they said, you got to go because we're jealous of the blessing in your life. And in a famine living in the house of God, we become jealous of those around us that God is blessing. And rather than being challenged to rise in our faith, we tell them, get away from me because I don't like seeing God prosper you when I'm not prospering. The famine equation is that my success is in your failure. The only way I succeed is if you fail. 
It's a mindset that says, if I don't win, ain't nobody winning. Uh, amen. But I've come to tell somebody today that, that we are not going to give in to a feast mentality, famine mentality. Uh, we're not going to let the enemy drag us into a place of lack. Uh, we're not going to go into a place where our appetite is perverted. Uh, we're not going to go into a place where our value system is warped. Uh, and we're not going to go to a place uh, where we're envious of others that God is using. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and I t- tell him, I pray God blesses you a hundredfold. Uh, I pray that God blesses you more than he blesses me. Uh, I pray that God blesses you abundantly. Uh, I pray that God gives you favor. Uh, I pray that God blesses your family. Famine. The feast is so much different. People act differently in times of feast. In a famine, people will boil their own children and eat them. In a famine, dove's excrement is priced at a high price tag because that's what people do in a famine. When they're lacking faith and they don't believe that God is able to supply everything that they need, they get a perverted appetite and they get a warped sense of values in their life. But when you get into a feast mentality, things begin to change a little bit. I want us to turn in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16. The Bible says this, the Lord speaking to Moses three times in a year, shall all of thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose. Everybody say, in Jerusalem. That was the place that God chose. In the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not, everybody say, they shall not, they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Amen. I want to tell you the first thing that happens when we move from a famine into a feast is that we begin to elevate our walk. When you slide into a famine mentality, your value system begins to shrink and your appetite begins to go downhill. But when you get into a feast mentality, when you get into an abundance mentality where you believe everything that God has given me is exactly what I need. And if I need more, I don't have to worry because God will provide it. If there's trouble in my marriage, I don't have to go find somebody on Instagram. God's going to work it out in my home and everything's going to be all right. God's going to give me what I need. Three annual feasts. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest, the Feast of Tabernacle. And each of these three feasts, the children of Israel would leave wherever they were and they would travel up to Jerusalem. Everybody say up. They would travel up to Jerusalem. Recently, earlier this year, I had the privilege of being there, uh, of being in Israel and traveling to Jerusalem. I could tell you from every side, you have to go up to Jerusalem. There is no place in Israel that you can go to where you can go down or even just across to Jerusalem. But that holy hill is an elevated place. And to go to Jerusalem in a time of feast, you had to elevate your walk. And I've got to tell you today that in a time of feast, when you know that God's got everything that you need, when you know that God's going to supply all your needs, it leads you to a mindset that says, I've got to start elevating in my walk. I don't have time for trash. I don't have time for the waste of this world. But I've got to elevate myself. I'm not going to consume my children. I believe God has a future for them. I believe my inheritance is going to be great. I'm not going to put down what God is blessing, but I'm going to elevate my walk. Instead of doing things that consumes our own future and then blaming everybody. Well, if they would have and he would have and they would have and that and this and the other. Really, when it boils down to most of our problems are our own dumb decisions. But but rather than consuming our own future, when we get into a feast mentality, we say, you know what? I'm not going to make decisions that destroy my future. I'm going to make decisions that elevate my future. I'm going to make decisions that my children are going to be more blessed than I am. And my grandchildren are going to be more blessed than they were. I'm going to begin elevating my walk. 
lack mentality says, I'm not sure if God can provide my needs, so I'm going to get a second, third job. And then we begin missing out in the house of the Lord. But a feast mentality says, God will supply all of my needs. And every time there was a feast, they traveled to Jerusalem. Why? To get into the house of the Lord. I want to tell you, a feast mentality is going to bring you to the house of God every time that the doors are open. Why? Because that's my source. That's where my God is that supplies all of my needs. If you would raise your hand and say, I want to elevate my walk. I want to enlarge my future. How many of you here want your children to have a greater relationship with God than you do? Parents, let me give you some real simple, a real simple ingredient to put in your bowl if you want some good cookies to come out. If you want your children to love God as much or more than you do, be in church every time you can be. That went over well. If you want to know, is there some secret ingredient, Pastor? Will you sprinkle fairy dust on my children so they love God? Will you pray that magical prayer so they love God? No, there is no magical prayer. It's a magical walk. It's you getting out of bed and say, I'm going up. I'm going to elevate my walk. I'm going to elevate my purpose. Last phrase of Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, don't come empty-handed. Tell your neighbor, don't come empty-handed. What does that mean? It means don't come without a sacrifice. When you're in a feast mentality, you will have a sacrifice mentality. One of the earmarks of a spiritual famine is we become tight-fisted. We don't give. All of you are grabbing your wallets right now. You think the preacher's after your money. There's a lot more to you that God wants of you than your money, just so you can know. We don't give our time. We don't give our energy. We don't give our talent. We become tight with all of that. Why? Because we're in a famine mentality where we don't believe we can afford to give God 10%. And we don't don't think that we can afford to give God our talent because we won't have enough left over for our job. And I can't give God my time because I won't have enough left over for my family. But in a feast mentality, we don't come empty-handed. We come with a sacrifice of praise. We come with tithe and offering. We come because we believe that God is the one providing for my needs. I wonder would you help me right now and give God a sacrifice of praise. Don't come empty handed. Elevate your walk but don't come empty handed. You can't afford to sacrifice. You can't afford to give because God's got it all in control. We are in a place of abundance. Listen, I've come to believe I can't afford to not give God my praise. I can't afford to not give God my praise. I can't afford to stay home. I've got to get to Jerusalem because there's blessing in Jerusalem. Don't come empty-handed. Don't come empty-handed. I'm glad you made it here, but don't come empty-handed. Don't sit there and stare at the preacher and expect him to bring blessing down in your life. Yeah, I'm glad you made it to the mountain, but what did you bring with you? Do you have a sacrifice in your hands? Did you bring the fruit of your lips, which is the sacrifice of praise? Did you come to magnify the Lord? That's what happens in a place of abundance. Everybody comes with something in their hands. Elevation and sacrifice are synonymous in the kingdom of God. You you don't come to Jerusalem without sacrifice. You just don't do it. And if you've got sacrifice, you got it for one reason. That's to go to Jerusalem. Elevation and sacrifice are synonymous in the kingdom of God. If you want to elevate, can I tell you how to do it? Sacrifice. If you want God to take you to another, let me tell you how to do it. Sacrifice. Spend a little more time this week in prayer. Give a little bit more in the offering. Give a little bit more praise than you planned on giving. And if you will sacrifice, you will be elevated. (laughs) 
In fact, they had the first sacrifice before they could be elevated. The one place that Jesus wigged out a little bit, if you would, in the Bible, started flipping tables and, and, and whipping the people that were in the temple selling things. I would say that qualifies as wigging out a little bit. My kids would say I did if I started doing that. But the reason Jesus did that is because they were elevating and waiting until they got elevated and then they were purchasing their sacrifice. And Jesus said, no, 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 you got the process out of order. You sacrifice and then you elevate. If you begin to elevate and then sacrifice, it's going to cause God to wig out in your life. You need to know that first you sacrifice and then he will elevate you. I don't know about anybody in this building today, but I want to sacrifice because I want to be elevated. All right, I'm almost finished. 2 Kings 7, 16, the Bible says the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. Everybody read that last phrase with me. According to the word of the Lord. Same story as when they were in famine a donkey's head and dove's dung were so high priced nobody could afford them. But now the famine is broken. Four lepers have gone over to the other side and the Syrians have vacated their post. And now they've got, the Bible says, gold and silver and there's food, there's plenty. They're in a time of feast. And now that they're in a time of feast, the economy is repositioned and realigned. And now instead of doves dung and donkey heads being sold for this exorbitant amount of money, the, the economy is based on what the Word of God said it should have been. Fine flour is sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Listen, in a feast mentality, in a feast place in your praise, when you come in your faith to a place of abundance where you trust that God has everything that I need, biblical values will be restored. I know we live in a, in a day today where, Pastor, just calm down. Pastor, just relax. It's just our world today. You're, you need to stop pushing against those things. You just need to accept them. But you need to understand that's a famine mentality. When we begin to allow the economy to be positioned by the world around us, we are living in a, I don't care if the world says that dove's dung should be five shekels and a donkey's head should be 18 shekels. When you're in a place of feast, everything gets back to where it's supposed to be according to the word of the Lord. I feel the pressure mounting in our world. Pastor, it's okay if two men want to be together. That's their business. Love is love. Only one problem. That's not what the Word of God says. I'm not trying to preach a message of hate. If they walk in here and there are too many love, we're going to love them and lead them to the Lord. But I'm telling you, we cannot realign our value system because we're in a famine in our world today. We've got to get into a feast mentality and restore biblical values. I'm going to tell you how you know that there is an abundance mindset taking the church. Families begin to align their values with the Word of God. It's not trying to skirt around and see what we can get away with, but we begin to say, God, let your Word order my steps. I want you to raise your hands with me, and I want us to pray, God, restore biblical values. According unto thy Word, God, let our values be set according to thy Word. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to hate people. I don't dislike people. That's not it. But God, I cannot allow this church to be dragged into a place of famine simply because the world is warping the value system. But I pray, God, let this church stand fast upon the value system that is shaped by the word of God. I value my wife. 
I don't not connect with somebody on Instagram because somebody might find out. I don't have time for that trash. It's waste. I value my marriage. And so I want it to be based upon biblical values. I want it to be based upon biblical values because I value that relationship. And you, we've got to begin as people not just living pastor saved and not just doing things because pastor said we should or shouldn't do them, but I'm going to do them because I, I'm living in a place of abundance. And so I live my life according to the word of God. There are things I don't do in places I don't go because I'm living in a place of abundance. And I don't consume my own future. I'm not going to consume my own future. I'm not going to make dumb decisions that 10 years from now are going to limit my growth. And I will not destroy, I will not put value in garbage and trash. I won't do it. Because I've got a different value system. I don't treasure trash. I don't treasure garbage. I treasure the presence of God. I treasure holiness. I treasure peace. I treasure joy. My value system is based upon those things. I treasure the presence of God. I treasure the blessings of God. And so my value system is based upon that because I'm living in a place of abundance. Musicians can come. Stand with me. Lord, I pray today, let your word settle in this room. God, I see people today, their minds, they can't even comprehend what I'm saying. They can't even comprehend because the thief has come and he's stolen. He's killed and he destroyed and he's dragged them into a place of lack. The pastor begins to preach against garbage and they get convicted because they've developed an appetite for it. Pastor, leave that alone. If you were thinking right, you would know that dove's dung is not valuable. If you were thinking right, you'd know that side fling that you got going on ain't valuable. You'd know if you were thinking right. Because you're living in a place of spiritual famine. The thief has come and he's dragged you into a place of spiritual famine. Your appetite is all messed up. Anybody ever been corrected for eating dessert before the main course? My mom would slap my hand. Boy, get away from that. Get back. You eat pork chops before you eat apple pie. That hurt my feelings. Because I had developed an appetite that wasn't right, but I need a correction. And sometimes the preacher gets up on a Sunday morning and starts preaching the value system of the Bible. And it begins offending us. It, it needs to, if anything, instead of you growing a hatred for the preacher and the word of God, it needs to bring a red flag on in your mind saying, something is wrong. I'm living in a place of famine. I'm living in a place that I was not meant to live. I'm beginning to value things that are garbage. Come on, somebody, my appetite is getting warped. Genesis 26, Isaac the Bible says the same Isaac that was blessed and the same men that said, leave here in a time of feast, leave here because you're too blessed and we're envious of your blessing. You're too mighty. You're, you're better than us, so you got to go. Listen, did you know God will elevate people at different times? Anybody know that? God will elevate people at different times. It may be right now that God is exalting your brother or your sister. And I'm going to tell you the way that God will exalt you in your season is all dependent on how you rejoice with them when they're exalted. But the Bible says these same men, now they come to Isaac and they say, man, we see that the hand of God is on you. And so they invite Isaac to come back and live among them again. And so the Bible says that Isaac makes them a feast. And they did eat and drink. And they rose up in the morning and swear one to another. They made a covenant with one another. And they departed in peace. Listen, in a feast mentality, there is fellowship. Sister Jones, I, I'm okay with God blessing you. I'm okay with God exalting you. I don't feel inferior when God elevates you. I want to. You need to be able to rejoice when God begins to elevate those around you. Let me tell you, you need to rejoice when your coworker gets a raise. 
You need to rejoice when your neighbors get to move into a better neighborhood. You need to rejoice because God isn't finished and he may have blessed them right now, but your blessing may be coming, so rejoice with them. Let's raise our hands together. Ephesians 3 and 20 says this, Now unto him that is able, somebody say, God can. Didn't say to him that will do exceeding. It said him that is able to do abundant. Everybody say abundant. God can do abundantly above all that we ask or think, but it's according to the power that works in us. Listen, you can move into a place of abundance, but it's not up to God. It's up to you. God can do it, but what, what we're waiting on right now is it's up to you to decide. It's the power of the Spirit working within you. Today, we're going to decide, am I going to live in a place of famine? Am I going to live in a place of lack? Where I just don't know that God's really got this thing in control. Or am I going to live my life in a place of abundance? Where even when I don't have everything that I need, I know that God does have everything that I need. I'm not going to grow an appetite for the things of this world, but I'm going to love the value system of the Bible and the Word of God. Those of you that want to live in a place of abundance, I want you to come to this altar right now. This makes for an awkward altar call. Because if you don't come, that, anyway... first thing I want us to do is I want us to repent. The thief comes for one job. Brother Roberts, one job. And that is to take every person on this platform, every person standing here right now, to take you into a place where your appetites get perverted. Say, not you, Pastor. Every person in this room, the enemy's sole purpose is to take you into a place of famine and lack. Well, that would never happen to me. Don't you think that you're bigger and badder? Don't think that you're exempt from the attack of the enemy. Just the fact that you're in this building today. Fact that you're in this building today. Fact that you're in this building. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait.